Would you turn to uh, Isaiah, the first chapter, and also Romans, the 15th chapter, Isaiah 1, Romans 15. It helps you when you turn to the scriptures and let your eyes rest on them. They just register on you better that way, even if you could quote them. And it's just showing respect to the word. How many understand you ought to show great respect to the Lord's written word? It doesn't come any more sure than this. doesn't come any more solid than this. This is what we build our life on. Amen? More important than any uh, prophecy. More important than any tongue and interpretation. More important than anybody's sermon. Did you hear me? Anybody's book. Certainly anybody's opinion or theory. Is this. What did Jesus whip the devil with? In the wilderness. I mean everything that came up. He said it is written. That was it. Hallelujah. It is written. Well then the devil started quoting scripture. How many know the devil can quote scriptures? Always out of context. Always twisted around. Always messed up. But what do you. You not only have to say it is written. Sometimes you have to say it is also written. And that's how Jesus overcame every temptation and trial. Well, how do we overcome? Same way, it is written. And you're not going to be able to say that if you don't know what it is written. And you won't know that if you don't uh, read your Bible and if you don't hear good teaching and preaching. Everybody ought to read their Bible. And everybody here at Faith Life Church reads one, at least one chapter every uh day Monday through Friday and we just finished up the book of Acts today didn't we Paul got shipwrecked and got snake bit but he came out shouting amen what do you do when you get washed up on a barbarous uh, you know wild uncivilized island and you get snake bit what do you do have a revival get folks saved and healed and just slap the devil and say take that you want some more Mess with me, I'll make you eat it. Right? No joke. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? It means you go beyond winning. You do more than win. Hmm? They're not just defeated. They're more than defeated. If, if you're more than a conqueror, then they're more than defeated. Huh? More we're not, we're not only more than conquerors. If we're more than conquerors, the devil has to be more than defeated. Now, he don't like that. He didn't want me to tell you that. But it's a fact. He's more than defeated. In fact, what was it last year? Y'all remember me here at church telling you that in a time of, uh, I don't know, I think I was just messing around the house or something. And the Lord told me, he said, the devil is the loser. And boy, I begin to meditate on that. Really minister to me. That's what he's going to be known as throughout eternity. He is the quintessential loser. When you look in the eternal age of ages dictionary and look at loser, the devil's picture will be over there beside it. Because he's not just a loser. He's the loser. He tried to have an, an insurrection in heaven and, and lost. Right? He tried to destroy man in the garden. 
He tried to destroy man at the flood of Noah. He tried to destroy man again and again. But he's lost. He's lost. He's lost. Oh, he thought he had it when Jesus was crucified. He thought for once he had won. But he'd lost bigger than he'd ever imagined. He He didn't know he could lose like he just lost. He thought he had won Jesus in the heart of the earth. Oh, but on the third day, stone was rolled away. And I'm telling you, Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God. And he wasn't just just physically raised. No, no, no. He died for all our sins. And the judgment of all our failure and sin was upon him. So when he was raised... All that would ever believe on him in every generation was raised. Free from sin. Hallelujah. And the devil thought he had overcome. Because he got this Holy Ghost anointed man off the scene, out of the way. Crucified him. But I mean right after Jesus rose from the dead, here comes that same Holy Ghost that was on him. Fell on the whole church on the day of Pentecost. Now we got people all over the world anointed, empowered, authorized. Oh, he's losing on a massive scale. He's losing. And just when he thinks it couldn't get any worse, there's going to come an angel from heaven with some big old chains. And going to slap them chains on him and throw him in the pit. And that's going to be it. He's the loser. And he's more than defeated. What does it mean more than conquer? Well, let me mention one thing to you. A lot of you know Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin, our spiritual father in the faith. And you know, he, uh, when he was born, he was premature. The doctor told his, his grandmother and, and mother, said, well, he's gone, he's dead. And his mother was kind of out of it and said, so what should I do with it? He said, well, I, I don't know. He's, you know, deformed, not really developed. I'd just dispose of him somewhere on the property. So they took him in their hand, his grandmother did, and went out by the smokehouse and got a shovel and went out in, in behind the house to just bury him. Of course, it's many years ago, you understand, 1917. And, uh, went to bury him out there and just about time she was getting ready to dig a hole, thought he moved a little bit. Probably one of God's angels poked him a little bit and said, boy, you better do something. They're about to to bury you. And uh, moved just a little bit and came back and and washed him and detected a little faint sign of life. Well, he he did live, but they said he can't live past, uh, you know, age, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16. He's got deformed uh, heart, deformed chest cavity. He's got incurable blood disease. They told him if one of these wouldn't kill you, the other ones would. I mean, they just gave him no hope. And sure enough, about 15 and 16, he became bedfast, just like they said. But God raised him up off that bed, healed him from head to toe. Hallelujah. And uh, I mean, decade after decade after decade, he preached the gospel and told people all over the world, God would heal you. Don't you think the devil wished he hadn't have done that to him? Yeah. <laughs> They'd just picked somebody that would have just laid down and died with it. And that'd be, but no, not only did he get healed, but for decades, Amen. 
told people all over the world, God will heal you. God will raise you up. The devil tried to kill me, but he wasn't big enough. He couldn't do it. Now, that's making your enemy eat it. You understand? I mean, that's not just winning. That's making him wish for decades he had never messed with you. Now, the reason I take time to go through all that is because that works for you. The devil messes with you, messes with you in your finances. I've done this before. He messed with me in my finances, and I was going to do a certain thing. I said, all right, all right, I'm going to double it. I'm going to double it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that for the kingdom, and I'm going to do this for the kingdom. And after a while, I mean, it might not just happen and come in all at once, but you just stand, and you just stay with it. Next thing you know, you're making him wish he hadn't messed with you. Because now you're doing twice as much, doing ten times as much as you were going to do. He messed with you with sickness. You make him eat it. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean you make him eat it. You don't just whip him. More than a conqueror. And he's more than defeated. You get healed and you get all your family healed. Get your kinfolks healed. Get the people healed across the fence. Amen. So devil, you want some more of this? Mess for me. Because I'm not going to quit. That, see, that's the key. Not going to quit. Not going to lay down. Not going to stop. Amen. Amen. I gave you plenty of time to find your text in Isaiah. Did you find that? Isaiah 1. Don't know why I just thought I ought to tell you that. Isaiah, first chapter. Now, for those of you that haven't been with us, man, you've missed some good preaching. Like my grandmother used to say, she's in heaven now, good cook, loved to cook uh, ham stew, ham and dumplings, and several different things. And sometimes, you know, now we're not talking about these packs you throw in the microwave. They didn't have no microwave. I mean, you start from scratch. You know, you make the dumplings by scratch and uh, that kind of thing. And, and after half a day of that kind of stuff and it's simmering, she'd take a spoon, she'd go, Mm-mm, now that is good if I did make it myself. <laughs> Amen. And the Lord gives us good things in preaching. Amen. If I did preach it myself, I believe it's good. I like to hear it. I'd preach it just for myself. Isaiah 1. Preachers, I know we got several preachers here. Let me tell you a secret that I learned some years ago. And uh, uh, Paul said... I magnify mine office. And as a minister, you must esteem what the Lord gives you. Now you, you know that without Him, you're nothing. And you know you can't anoint yourself. And you know if you've got revelation, you wasn't smart enough to figure it out. He gave it to you. But when He gives you something, you don't him haw around with it and you don't poor mouth it. And you don't belittle it in some kind of false humility. Come on now, preachers, you listening? Telling you something good here now. You don't come up and say, well, you know, i got some things maybe I could share today. Y'all probably all know them already. And uh, I imagine any one of y'all could get up here and do a better job than me. But we'll try to share it a little bit. That is not humility. That is unbelief. And it's disrespect. I said, it's disrespect. Why are y'all so quiet? (laughs) I said, it's disrespect. 
Because, see, you think that you're downplaying yourself. But you're downplaying what he gave you. So you're downplaying revelation from him. And that's not okay. Just because he gave it to you doesn't make it any less from God. Right? And I learned this some years ago. When he gives you something, you know that without him you're nothing. But you step up to the plate and you say, got something good. I'm telling you, this is just as good as you will hear anywhere in the world. Why? You think you're so... We ain't talking about me. We're talking about him. Amen. Revelation that he gives. Utterance that he gives. And you present it with dignity. You present it with honor. And you go, man, this is good. This is good. This is... This will change your life. Amen. And if you esteem it, the hearers will esteem it. Amen. And the more faith people have in it, then the more power will be released through it. Amen. In uh, Isaiah, the first chapter, if you haven't been with us, we've been talking about qualifying for God's best. This is the week of increase. And we're increasing as we speak in every good way. Amen. And I didn't bring a watch tonight, so Lord. Uh Y'all help me if I have to have. I was in one place in another state some years back, and I didn't have a watch. And and uh, the pastor's wife, she said, well, honey, she said, they're a lot older than us. She said, uh, if you get carried away, just remember there's a calendar behind you there. <laughs> Hallelujah. We've been talking about qualifying for God's best. And in this 18th verse, Isaiah 1 and 18, he said, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now let's just stop right here. Is this for us today, this verse 18, about though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow? Is that for us today? Then why isn't the next verse for us? Verse 19. Does it go right with it? Is it for us today that if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land? That's for us today. He goes on to say, but if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. If, I-F, means conditions. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you won't eat the good of the land. You won't even hold on to what you have. You'll be devoured, consumed. Well, that would answer uh, and explain a lot of situations, wouldn't it? That's a, a, a slight response there. It's a fact. That would explain... A lot of uh, situations of people that are being consumed. Whether it's me or you, whoever it is, it is not God's will that we be destroyed and that we be consumed. Didn't the scripture say it is not God's will that any should perish? People try to isolate that to just meaning one certain thing, but it didn't say just one certain thing. It just said it's not his will for us to perish. 
I would believe that applies to every area. It doesn't please God to see anybody go down. Especially his, his people. And, uh, but he gives us the qualifications. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. I told you Brother Hagin's testimony. And he, how when he left his uh, uh, last church that he pastored. Many years, uh, you know, earlier part of his ministry. And uh, he was just hurting out on the field. And I mean, he was losing money, sold his car just to pay some interest on some loans. And just, he wasn't making it. I mean, he's every month, he's going in the hole big time, leaving the church, going in the, onto the road ministry. And he, it got so bad, he got to seeking the Lord and even fasting some meals. And he said, Lord, you know, he quoted, quoted this verse to the Lord. Lord, you told me if I'd be willing and obedient, I'd eat the good of the lamb. And I did obey you. And I left my last church. And I've been out here on the field doing what you told me to do. But I'm not eating the good of the lamb. I mean, I'm half starving. My kids don't have proper clothes. Uh, I'm in trouble with my loans here. I'm not, you told me to do this and I'd eat the good of the land. It's not happening. Well, after some days of that, waiting on the Lord, he said the Lord spoke to him, not an audible voice, but inside him real distinctly. The Lord said, well, the problem is you don't qualify. You don't qualify. You're quoting that verse to me. You don't qualify. Now, friend, let's, let's learn something. Anytime something's not working, whose fault is it? That wasn't everybody. <laughs> if something's not working... We're not being healed. We're not prospering. We're not being protected. Something is not happening the way the Lord told us that he would take care of us in the word. How many understand God didn't just decide not to keep his word. God didn't just decide to play favorites and do it for some here and not for some here. And you've got millions that have taken this route and said, well, you know, God's mysterious. In all his ways. And sometimes it's his will to bless. And sometimes to withhold the blessing. And and we just don't know why. And you just never know. And people are to, I mean, millions of Christians and ministries. And it's taught in their seminaries and in their schools of theology. That it is not always God's will to heal. It is not always God's will to protect. It is not always God's will, certainly not always God's will, to prosper you and make you financially and materially wealthy. Certainly not always God's will for that. And they try to point to things. Say, well, look, so-and-so, they were a good Christian, and then they didn't get healed. They loved the Lord. Well, look at so-and-so, they loved the Lord with all their heart, and they were poor and broke all their life. So then that proves that it's not always God's will. Well, I know somebody that died lost. Does that prove that it wasn't God's will to save them? We don't prove the will of God by people's experiences or failure to receive. We establish the will of God by the unchanging, immutable, written word of God. That's the will of God. And have the humility. If you're reading something in here, you know, you read Malachi. And he says, you know, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me herewith. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing till there's not enough room for you to contain it. And you say, well, I still got room. I got lots of room. (laughs) So what does that prove? Does it prove, well, you know, it's just, you know, 
maybe it's not God's will to really, you know, maybe he's not talking about materially. Well, this is a favorite way people explain things. Well, that, that just means spiritually. Spiritually. I'm tired of hearing that, are you? <laughs> Let me tell you something that really jerks the rug out from under that statement. Did Jesus just go to the cross spiritually? No. Or did he not go to the cross spirit and soul and body, body, body? Then did he procure for us complete redemption? Spirit, soul, body. Can we be free and blessed? Spirit and soul and body. Don't let people talk you out of your blessing now. You've got to stand up for these things. Because, you know, not everybody believes like us. We'll shout with you in here. We'll tell you about it. We'll sing God's a good God and shout. Yes, He is. But there's a lot of folk who tell you, well, well, now, just simmer down. Don't get carried. You've been over there with that wild bunch. That rich church. You go, yeah, that rich church. Now come, now don't, don't get fanatical. Don't get, ex- what, what do we mean fanatical? What's fanatical about God being good to heal you? God being good to help you pay your bills and get out of debt. Is that, why is that so fanatical? Let me tell you what the real deal is. People don't want to admit that it's my responsibility. It's easier to believe this other stuff. People like what I call no-fault religion. <laughs> if I'm broke, it ain't my fault. Huh? If I, you know, if I go all my life and am sick and never get healed, it's not my fault. Why is it? Nobody knows. It's a mystery. God knows. And in His wisdom, He's seen fit not to let us know and We just have to submit to the will of God. Well, what is the will of God, though? Yes, submit to the will of God. But what is the will of God? Is the will of God healing? Then submit to that. Is the will of God prosperity? Then submit to that. Submit to that. The Scripture says something. Well, we just don't know. And people are content in not knowing the will of God. But Ephesians 5 tells you very plainly, do not be unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Have we been given a responsibility to take this great book that God's given us and to find out what the will of God is? Not just sit around ignorant year after year. What is the will of God? How are you going to find the will of God? If it's in the Word of God, it is the will of God. And if He said, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, then I can know it is His will for me to be willing and obedient, and it's just as much His will for me to eat the good of the land. What is the good of the land? It means literally, it means the fat. The fat. Of course, most of their wealth was in livestock. So if you are, if you are a wealthy person, then you had fat cows. Fat donkeys, fat camels, fat sheep. You had a field full of fluffies. Is that right? <laughs> fat. Well, the fat ones were the best ones. Right? Is it God's will for us to have the best? 
of the land. He didn't say the best of heaven. Thank God one of these days we'll enjoy the best of heaven. But that's not what he's talking about here. The best of the land. Stuff that came out of the earth. And after all, you know, we've talked about it. God didn't put the gold and the silver and the steel and the uh, technology and the cars and the houses and the machines in the earth for the devil and his crowd to publish evil and to do evil with. No, it's for God's children, which happens to be. That's us. That's us. Amen. That's us. So uh, what qualifies you to eat the good of the land? If you be willing and obedient. Brother Hagin said the Lord told him, you don't, the problem is you don't qualify. He said, Lord, what do you mean I don't qualify? I obeyed you. I left my last church. I did what you told me to do. He said, yeah, but you hadn't been willing. You did it, but you did it unwillingly. And he knew in his heart that was right. Of course, the Lord's always right. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he said, man, he just reached down inside himself, made an adjustment. He said, it didn't take him long. And he said, I'm willing now. And, and he said, Lord, you know I'm willing. Devil knows I'm willing. And from that point, the Lord started bringing him up, 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 blessed him, made him a blessing to so many people and financially. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, I, I happen to know. He, he, he said, the Lord told him, if you learn, if you'll learn how to be led by my spirit, I will make you rich. And he said, that didn't even sound right to him in his traditional mind when he first heard that rich. And he said, the Lord knew he was thinking that. He said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. Amen. He said, if you'll learn how to be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. And over the years, he, he did that. And I mean, he had enough. He was given, you know, huge amounts to the ministry out of his personal pocket every year. Bought all of his kids and grandkids uh, houses and things like that. Amen. How many know every parent and grandparent yeah. ought to have that ability? Is that scriptural? Yeah. Didn't Proverbs say that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner and wicked is laid up for the just. Somebody believe it. Raise your hand. Say, I believe that. That's me. The Lord tears his coming for several years. Then uh, your grandkids and your great grandkids are to be going. Thank you, Momo. Thank you, Papa. Thank you. Even when you're gone to heaven. going. Oh, thank you, Papa. Amen. Why? Because you left an inheritance to your children's children. Some people say, well, you know, that'd be great. I'd like that. It don't come by thinking it'd be great. You have to become aggressive spiritually. Amen. Aggressive in your faith. Aggressive in your giving. Aggressive in your believing you receive. Amen. And if you don't see it all come in the first day or two, you don't let it move you. You just stay after it. Month after month, year after year, you've made up your mind. This old boy is going to be rich. Amen. Not just so I can sit up and say I'm rich, so I can be a blessing. Amen. So I can have something to do something with. It is the will of God. How do I qualify? Willing and obedient. Now go to Romans, please, if you're holding your other place there. Romans 15. We haven't got to the obedient part yet. We've been talking about the willing part. And we're going to keep on talking some more about that this evening. You keep coming, and I think we'll get to the obedient part, too. 
But uh, let's don't, if we're not through, we're not through. So besides that, we, sh- we should have a few more days, right? I mean, we got tomorrow night, and what's that, Thursday night, and then Friday night. So we got three more nights after this. In um, Romans, the 15th chapter, we kind of ended up here last night. And we had talked for some detail, for some length I should say, and in some detail, about the gospel. Are you still excited about the gospel like I am? Man, I tell you, I'm stirred up about the gospel. The gospel and how that, you know, we've had people tell us in times past, well, you know, we don't preach all that healing stuff like y'all do. We don't preach all that prosperity stuff like y'all. We just preach the gospel. Uh Uh-huh. And even a lot of so-called word and faith people, charismatic people, they they treat healing and prosperity like it's not really a, one of the main things. It's it's a side thing. Friend, I want you to know, the gospel includes healing. Amen. Healing is an integral part of the gospel. It's not a side thing. It is included in the plan of redemption. Did you know your physical body? Is included in the plan of the eternal plan of redemption. Now I'm going to give you a little food for thought here now. This body. Everybody say this body. body. Touch your hand or something. This one right here. Has been bought and paid for eternally. This body. It's valuable to God. This body is not going away. Somebody says, oh, yeah, it will. I mean, thank God. One of these days, this body's going to be buried, and it's going to be dissolved. And thank God, good riddance, and I'm going to get a new one. No, this body is going to be changed. Did you hear me? Now, some folk don't like that. They think, I don't like this body. You'll like it just fine when he gets through making the adjustments on it. Amen. Why would you say that, Brother Keith? You understand, if this body was worthless, the Lord had just let it turn to dust and that would be the end of it. This body is precious to Him. And He has bought it and He owns it forever. This body is never going away. Amen. One of these days when the trumpet sounds. Hallelujah. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. Why rise? You know, I'd like to be with some of those remaining. And watch all this thing. I mean, watch the whole deal. Because when the dead in Christ come back with him, and if you were still alive and remaining, you'd hear that trump. Especially if you was in a cemetery or somewhere. And you know, there's Christians that been that have been eaten by wild animals. Where's their body? There's Christians that died out in the sea and the sharks got them. Where's their body? There's Christians that died out in the desert, and I mean, their bones were bleached and and came apart to dust, and the winds blew them to the four corners. Where is their body? It's still here. God knows where every molecule is. (laughs) And when the trumpet sounds, wouldn't it be cool to be standing there and see people's spirit coming back with the Lord Jesus, and then their body go, boom. From the four corners of the earth. And the glory of God flow through it. Hallelujah. And their spirit get back in their body. This body. Glorified. 
Just like the Lord Jesus. How many know the body that he walked in is not in the tomb? They didn't just let that one deteriorate and get another one. No, that body has been glorified. I mean, he's got the scars. Is that right? He's got the scars where he was crucified. Oh, but I tell you, talk about a souped up organ. It's a souped up body, man. I mean, he appeared in different ways to different people. Maybe you could just get happy and your whole appearance change. I don't know. Don't have to walk through the door. You're just, boom, you're there. Hi. Zip back and forth between heaven and earth. I guess faster than the speed of light. I don't know. But the Bible says, go to Philippians. You've got to see this for yourself. Hold your place in Romans. You hadn't lost it already. What's this got to do with increase? This is major increase right here. And I mean, boy, it don't get much more increased than this. This body is going to be increased. It's going to be maximized. In Philippians. And the third chapter. And the 20th verse. Philippians 3.20. He says... For our conversation, and that word means, it's the word, Greek word, polytuma. It means citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. Do you know you have dual citizenship? Maybe you're a citizen of the U.S. or citizen of Germany or, or wherever you're from. But if you're born again, your name is in another book. A book that's not on the earth. The Lamb's book of life. There's a page and a line you can turn to and find Keith Moore on there. It's there. And your name. If you've been born again, what does that mean? It means so so much more than what we've known. It means you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. With many, many rights and privileges as a citizen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the rights is you own property there. The Lord is right now preparing a place for you and I. And it's going to be just exactly like you like. He's custom building it for you and I. But notice what else, what other right we have. Our, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where He is right now. We walk with Him down here by faith. His Spirit is with us. He is there. Right? The Lord Jesus Christ is in His glorified body. You understand? You could feel His body just like you could feel yours tonight. And He's at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. And he's going to change who shall change our vile body. You know, as pretty as you can fix this one up. (laughs) It's aging. And it's affected by the curse. All the junk in the earth. And you wash it and then you got to wash it again. Comb the hair. Next thing you know, I'm turning right around. Wind blows. Whoo, you got to fix it again. I mean, it's, you always got to try to maintain it, keep up with it. One of these days, and it won't be long, no more bad hair days. 
No more weight problems. No more aches and pains. No more wrinkles. No more losing hair. No more. No more trips to the dentist. No more. Why? Because he. Can you read this right here? Is your name up there? You got citizenship there? Then this is one of your rights. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned. How? Just like his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I don't know why we're on this, but it's true. And I'm glad about it. This body has been bought with a price and is going to be changed. What does that do for us right here and now? The Bible teaches. I don't have time to go to it. I don't think right now. But we have been given the earnest of our inheritance. That's the whole thing. But we've given the first fruit. We've been given a taste of that now. To live this life in. Are we going to be rich in heaven? Are there any poor people up there? Any beggars up there? Does God have two separate wills? One will for the earth and a different will for heaven. No. No. He said pray thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Do we get to have a little glory down here? To go to glory in? Do we get to have a little of that resurrection life in our body? Now it doesn't make us immortal now but it keeps us going. Amen. To go to heaven in. One of these days we're going to get the whole load. Amen. It's going to be so much healing power, so much life, that when it gets through flowing through us, we won't be subject to being corrupted anymore. We will be immortal. We don't get all that right now, but we get an earnest of it. We get a down payment of it. We get a first fruit of it. Are we going to be rich in heaven? Woo! Rich, 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 rich. We're going to wear nice clothes in heaven. Huh? Forget that little log cabin in the corner of glory. I got a mansion. I got an estate, buddy. Whoo. We're not talking about little cheap, junky stuff. We're out stuff. Are we all going to be rich, 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 rich? Wearing nice threads in heaven? No telling what kind of fabrics they got up there. No telling. No telling what kind of thing. One person was telling about their experience. You know, a lot of people got heaven stories. Some of them you wonder about. But some of them sound, <laughs> you do. Some of them sound legit. This one woman told about this sounded legit to me. She said they, they took her by the hand. She had this beautiful robe and dress like thing on. And they led her by the hand to take her into the river of life. She thought, oh, oh, no, no, I don't want to, because it was real thin. They don't, don't want to mess that up. They said, oh, come on, don't worry about it. And she just waded off into there and stayed in there a long time. And when they walked out the other side, it was instantly dry and perfect. No more wash days. No more ironing. Oh, come on, you got to shout about that. No more ironing. One person said they, uh, they, they, they had fruit. You know, the Bible talks about fruit trees up there, doesn't it? And they talked about eating some of this fruit. They said, man, some of it tasted like things you'd have down here, but some of it tasted like things they'd never tasted of. So one of them tasted like a fresh cold ice cream. And they got carried away eating one of those. 
and just dripped it all over there. And they thought, oh, no, I dripped it on my nice robe. And as soon as it hit it, it evaporated. And what they didn't eat, they laid down and it just evaporated. And no more cleaning up. <laughs> Come on, you got to be happy about the, No more sweeping or mopping. No more vacuuming. Oh, glory to God. No more. No more. No more. <laughs> but does God have two separate wills? Is his will health and life and prosperity and blessing and happiness in heaven, but his will down here? No, nah, you know, he wants us to be broke and sick and, and down because he's going to teach us some things. Or did he pray? Did he tell us to pray? Pray that thy will would be done on earth even as it is in heaven. No, we don't get the whole thing right now, but we get a taste of it. I said we get a taste of even under the old covenant. If you've read it, he told them, if you keep my statutes, if you keep my commandments, I'll bless you when you go out. I'll bless you when you come in. I'll multiply your seed and your flocks. I'll rain on your crops, your basket, your store. You'll have excess. won't have Malachi's Old Testament. You won't have enough to bring it in. Right? It went on to say, you'll have days of heaven on the earth. Ooh, glory to God. If that was the will of God under the old and worse covenant, should we expect any less today under a new and a better covenant? Anybody know the difference between better and worse? I mean, if I held up, you know, a, a, a $5 bill, and then I hold up a $100 bill, and I say, which one's better? <laughs> Do you have to pray about that? Are you confused about $5 bill, $100 bill? Which one's better? Now, if you don't know instantly, then you need to go get a nap and, 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 and <laughs> think and, and sharpen up. The $100 bill is in every way. Better than the five dollar bill. Why? Because the hundred has got the five in it. Plus. What kind of covenant we got? Better. Better. We got everything. Everything they had. We got it. We didn't lose a thing by the coming of Jesus. We got the healing. We got the prosperity. We got the protection. Plus. Plus. We got the Holy Ghost living right on the inside of us. We got the authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Plus, 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 plus. A lot of plus. But then we got folk come back and tell us, oh, that's passed away. That's just for the Jews, Brother Keith. Well, who do you think you're looking at? You're no Jew. Trace your hair. You got all this kind of stuff in you. You know, know, racism is one of the most ignorant things because you don't even know what you are. What are you? Well, I'm Anglo, Afro, Irish. I'm the, you, ain't, you ain't got a clue. Our heritage is easy to keep up with nowadays. I am born of God. It's real easy. Real easy. If you're born of God, you're my brother. If you're not born of God, you're not. Somebody said, well, we're all brothers. The whole, all mankind are brothers. No, they're not. No, there's two families in the earth. Family of the devil, family of God. If you're not born again, you're not my brother. I'd like for you to be. 
Go ahead and get born again. And then we'll, then we'll be hooked. Amen. It'll be, everything will be cool then. Do we get a down payment? Do we get an earnest, an inheritance of richness in this earth? So, some of heaven to go to heaven in. That's part of the gospel. Jesus said he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. A specific group. What is good news to the poor? Ain't got to be poor. No more. Now in Romans, have you, are you still got that place? Romans 15. You know what? Uh, Phyllis and I was talking just a, a day or so ago about this. You know, 20 something years ago when we were in uh, Ramah at Brother, Brother Hagin's place. He was uh, teaching every Wednesday night. He was teaching in the healing school all the time. And, and sometimes we'd look around. It wouldn't be two or three hundred people there. And we'd think... Don't these people know what is going on here? You know, don't they know? Because we we would start, and over the course of the days, we'd have several week meetings during the year like this, a whole week. And I'm telling you, time the end of that week, your flesh might have been a little tired, but man, inside you, you had come up to another place in faith. Amen? And that doesn't leave you. You just stay there and live on a different place. But it takes more than a little 15-minute segment or a little 30-minute thing. Some things, you just have to stay with day after day after day, and it builds and it builds and it builds. Amen. Praise God. Romans 15. He said in verse 29, He said, I am sure that when I come to you, Romans 15, 29, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. He was talking about money in that chapter. He was talking about offerings. He was going to bring an offering to them. And he said, I'm sure when I come and I bring this offering, I'm going to come in what? The fullness of the blessing. Well, I tell you, I'm, at, I'm as, at least excited about the blessing as I am about the gospel. I know we had not talked about that much yet, but we're, we're getting there. The blessing, what can you say? There's no better way to say it than the blessing. When you said, I'm saved, like we said last night, you said a mouthful. And when you say, I'm blessed, blessed of God. We've thrown these phrases around so much in Christian circles until it just, it just sounds like, hi, how are you? But friend, to be blessed of God, whew, it's a whole different life. I said it's a whole different, it's a whole different existence. It's a whole different consciousness and awareness. Now to be cursed is another. And a bad thing. And in order to have the blessing and the fullness of the blessing, you must qualify. You, you must be a child of God, for one. Like we've already talked about. Names in the book. Citizen of heaven. But also, you must be willing and you must be obedient. Now, we've talked about you must be willing to receive this message, the gospel message. You must be willing to receive the good news. 
How many understand that that's certainly so to be born again? You got to receive that message. You, you, you're not going to understand it. You're not going to be able to dissect it with your intellect and, 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 and figure it all out. You, how are you going to figure out the virgin birth? How are you going to figure out the literal, physical resurrection from the dead? How can you figure out how that Jesus' substitution paid the price for your sins? How can you figure all that out? You can't. You just must accept it by faith. And we got there's people all over the planet working for their salvation. Working. Working, trying to be good enough, trying to be clean enough, trying to be holy enough, going on long treks, uh, depriving themselves of things, doing all these things to attain to different levels of cleanness and holiness. But in Christianity, true Christianity, none of that saves you. You hear the good news message. You couldn't save yourself. The best you could do was as filthy rags. But Jesus came and took your place. And he bought and paid for your salvation, spirit, soul, and body. And just said, if you believe on me, here it is, free of charge. But see, you've got to be willing to accept that. You've got to be will- willing willing to say, I believe that. And, and hear what good news it is. God's not mad at you. He's not against you. He's not holding your sins and your mistakes against you. Jesus already paid for them. And all you got to do is accept it. Is that good news? Who oh, you thinking, man, that's, that's so easy. That's so wonderful. Yes, it is. But so many people think, oh, that's too easy. That's, that's, and they complicate it. And they try to mix works in with it. I had a person tell me one time, used to a bunch of tradition and a bunch of works. They, and, and I was talking about grace. And I said, you know, it's, it's all bought and paid for. It, you just receive it. And you're saying, they said, well, now, I just believe it takes it all. I said, what, what, what do you mean it takes it all? Well, you know, then they begin to talk about their rules. You have to dress a certain way. And you have to do this a certain way. What are they talking about now? Works. Works. They're trying to add something to the grace. And a friend, that is an insult to the blood. That's acting like the blood was not enough. you got to add your little piddly works to it to save yourself. No, you got to humble yourself before the cross. you got to admit, I couldn't do it. I had no way I could save myself and the Lord. Good news. He did it. And He just gave it to me. No charge. Free. Hallelujah. But see, it takes a childlike, simplistic faith to go, okay, great. Huh? I'll take it. Right? Little kids take a great popsicle and say, here, here's a great popsicle. They don't go, oh, what else is there involved in this? great popsicle. I mean, nobody just gives you a great popsicle. My mama said, there ain't no free lunch. And trying to figure the angles and the repayment and the obligation and the, nah, nah, great popsicle. Thank you. Yeah. Ha. Mm. In the mouth, split second. We got to become converted and become like little children. And he says, I paid the price for all your sins. We go, oh, great, great. Let me have it. I bought you healing. You can be healed. Yeah, yeah, let me have it. I'll take it. 
You can be rich. Yeah, I'll take it. Don't have to figure it out. Don't become, you know, over-involved in logic and, and reasoning. Just accept. Believe. Receive. Amen. Willing to accept the good news, the gospel. Well, here he says the fullness of the blessing of the good news. Does the good news include blessing? Now go with me to Galatians, please. Book of Galatians. And the famous third chapter. Well, I tell you, stop by the first chapter on your way. This will set up the uh, third chapter a little better. Galatians 1. Now this is very significant. Hold your place here. We're getting, you know, you know you're really getting in the Word when you got all your fingers stuck in the Bible. And you're, well, we're getting in the Word. Uh, hold your place in Galatians 1 and go to uh, Hebrews the uh, fourth chapter and let me set this up a little bit better for you. Everybody say the blessing. blessing. So he said the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Is there any blessing in the gospel? Does it affect anything here and now? Yes it is. In uh, Hebrews the fourth chapter He said, verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. Now let's just stop right there. You'd have to read the third chapter to realize he's talking about that first generation of Israelites that the Lord brought out of Egyptian bondage. How many understand all that's a type for us? Egyptian bondage is a type of being in bondage in the world and under sin and under oppression. And he brought them forth. Amen. He brought them out of that and through the Red Sea. And I mean, all of it's typical of being born again and then having the Spirit come on you. And where were they going, though? What did he... What... Did they hear good news? Did the Lord give them gospel? Good news. And it's typical for us, isn't it? What, what gospel did they hear? What good news did they hear? Well, we're going to go back. Well, let's just go back right now. Exodus. You can turn loose to Galatians for a minute. And go to Exodus 3. Hold your place in Hebrews. Exodus 3. In Exodus 3, let's read Hebrews again so you'll know why we're reading Exodus 3. He said, for unto us was what? The gospel, the good news preached, as well as unto them. Did they have gospel preached to them? But now keep reading. But the word, what does the word refer to? The word preached. The gospel that was preached. See, first of all, he calls it the gospel preached. Now he says the word preached. How many know all the word is good news? 
to those who serve God. The word preached did not profit them. Did not benefit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. No matter what kind of good report the Lord gives you, no matter what kind of good news He gives you, and no matter how much it is His eternal will, it does not just automatically happen in your life. You must what? You must mix faith with it. Right? You must be willing to receive it. Willing to believe it. Now the first generation, how did they come out? That first generation of Israelites that are brought out of Egyptian bondage, did they hear good news? How did they come out? He got through saying it. it, The good news that God gave them didn't benefit them. Why? Because they didn't mix faith with it. They didn't believe it. They They weren't willing to accept it. Has the good news of Jesus been preached to people that it didn't benefit them? Yeah. Why? They didn't accept it. The good news of him paying the price for sins and the good news of him bearing sicknesses and carrying pains. There's many people who've heard the good news of healing, but they thought, well, no, no, they don't preach that in my church like that. And we we don't believe that. We believe that all passed away when the last apostle died. Well, then that good news will benefit you not at all. It will not profit you because you are not willing to receive it. You don't mix faith with it. Well, I tell you what, tradition of men have cost more people untold blessings, robbed them in their life because they have elevated the tradition of men above the Word of God. It's not too good to be true. It's true that it's that good. Amen? You got to become simplistic in your faith, childlike in your acceptance. When the Lord tells you it's wonderful, you go, ah, wonderful, yeah. It's for you, you go, me, it's for me. Agree with him. Quit being so smart. You know what I mean by that? Thinking you're so brilliant, you have to figure everything out while the blessings pass you by. There are people that sit stuffy. And they believe they're more intelligent than us. They watch us. And they see us hopping around and go, oh, look at them fools. Well, call us a fool. But if it is a fool, it's a happy fool. You'd do well to become a fool like us if that's what it is. And did you happen to read he's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound wise guys like you? I mean, you can uh, you can think you're so smart, but I'm telling you, check up. Are you healed? We are. Are you increasing? We are. You enjoying life? We are. I don't remember when I was depressed. I don't remember the last depressed day I had. I don't remember. Thank God. I mean, it's got to have to be decades. I don't have depressed days. If something starts to bother me, I cast the care on the Lord and take a nap. I'm serious. I say, hey, God, this is your baby now. 
like Brother Jesse DePlanis, him and Brother Kenneth was talking on, on, on Brother Copeland's broadcast, and he asked, Brother Kenneth asked Brother Jesse, he said, uh, what do you do when these great big millions of dollars TV bill comes in? He says, I hold it up and I say, Jesus, you got mail! <laughs> you could do that too! I said, you could do that too! You're not designed to worry. You're not designed to handle it. You are commanded in the Scripture to cast all your care over on Him. And if you did that, if you obeyed, that's what we're talking about, qualifying, right? Does that word sound familiar? If you obeyed, and that's part of your qualifying for the blessing, and eat the good of the land, then you cast all your cares over on the Lord. And if you cast all your cares over on the Lord, that leaves you care-free. No, no cares. Care-free. Without cares. Now, you know, people hear that and they go, well, I don't know what you have to deal with, but I live in the real world. (laughs) You could live in the Spirit. You could live in the peace of God. You could live in the joy of the Holy Ghost. I don't know what you deal with, but I know what we deal with. And it's been a pile the last few years. I tell you, there's been stuff pop, 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 all day long, all night long sometimes. But friend, life is short. And it's no fun to be miserable. It's no fun to be selfish and crying and feeling sorry for yourself. And that just don't feel good. Y'all pray for me. When you could be healed. And you can be happy. And you can be free. And you can smile. Amen? Amen? Put on, pull off the the garment of heaviness and throw it aside. Put on the garment of praise. You can do it. You can do it by faith. You can live free. No more down days. No more depressed times. Amen. Free forever. Say free forever. Free forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. He has set us free. And it's free forever. Glory to God. Glory to God. Exodus 3, are you there? Here's the good news that was preached to them. Exodus 3. They were in a bad way. They were a slave nation working in the fields, wearing rags, eating garbage, owned like cattle. This had gone on for many, many years, generations, slaves. But they got to crying out to God. How many know that's when things change? You get to crying out to God. And in verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Does God care when His people hurts? I've seen it, He said. And I have heard their cry. By reason of their taskmasters, these people that are making it miserable for them, and I know their sorrows. But how many know he didn't just sing the blues up in heaven? Oh, it's a bad thing. Gabriel, did you see that? It's sad, I'm telling you, it's sad. They're in a bad way. You never help people by agreeing with their poverty. Are agreeing. If they're crying about being diagnosed with a terminal disease, you are not going to help them. 
by crying with them and feeling sorry for them. That's how they die. When there's good news. I said when there's good news that if you'll mix faith with it, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to change things. He said, I've, I've seen their trouble. And I've heard their cry. I know what the taskmasters are putting them through. I know their sorrow. Here it comes though. Are you ready? Verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them. <laughs> I myself. I'm going to come down. I'm going to straighten this thing out personally. We're not, we ain't talking about the sheriff. We're talking about the Almighty. He said, I'm going to come down. I'm going to straighten this thing out myself. I'm going to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, their enemies. And, how many, just stop right there. That's good news, buddy. That's, whew, that's good. What should people be doing when they hear that? Woo, glory to God. God is coming. God's going to get us out of this mess. God's going to straighten this thing out. He said, I'm going to come down. I'm going to deliver you. And I'm going to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, a large land, a land that flows with milk and honey. Hallelujah. Is that good news? Friend, that's good news. That's a good news message. But was that the end of it? Masses of the people that this was preached to never got in the promised land. Died out in a hot, dry, barren place. And it was not the will of God. It was not the plan of God. Why did they not enjoy this big, wide open, vast land, this rich place flowed with milk and honey? Because they did not get excited about the good news when they got there and they sent in the spies and they came back and said, well, it's, it's a great place, all right, but it's occupied. And the people that occupy it are big and they're warriors from childhood and they got tanks. What do you mean? Iron chariots. It's in those days. Horsepower tank. They are heavily armed. They're military. They outnumber us. They outsize us. There ain't no way. And they went to their tents and they cried. Now that's how you disqualify yourself from the blessing. Now you do understand we're not just talking about Israelites tonight. You understand? That's how, what were they? He said, go up and take the land. I'm with you. Possess it. I have given them to you. They sat down and said, uh-uh. No, I ain't going up there just to die. I don't see those big giants. Man, they take your head off one lick. We're grasshoppers beside them big boys. We are not going up there. They were unwilling and they were disobedient. 
And they, and, and, and they kept saying, no, we're going to die out here. We're going to die out here. And the Lord worked with them and worked with them and tried to talk to them through Moses and tried to talk to them through Joshua and through Caleb. And they stood up and said, oh, no, 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 no. Good news. Good news. God's with us. And if he's with us, he's not with them. Their defense is departed from them. They are bread for us. We'd say today, piece of cake. We can take them. And, it, and it's a good land. But the people said, uh-uh. Made them so mad, they wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. No, no, no. We've got to live in reality. We've got to live in the real world here now. Does that sound familiar? Somebody like me, wild-eyed preacher, jump up and go, God wants you rich. He wants you rich. He wants to make you rich, pay every bill, get you out of debt, big roll of money you walk around with your pocket. I mean, drive a new car, be in the big house. Masses of Christians go, fanatic, fanatic. We got to live in the real world now, Brother Keith. Everybody's not rich and everybody's not going to be rich. Well... You wander in the desert. Because we grind to the promised land. Oh, We're going to live in the land that flows with milk and honey. Yeah, we know. We know we're mortal. We know you got devils down here. We know there's going to be things to deal with. But we're overcoming them. We're going to overcome Every trial, every test, and we're going to come up. We're not going to stay where we are. We're going to come up and increase and up and increase and up and believe it and hold on to this good message until we're living it. Until we are experiencing the fullness of... Do y'all like this as much as I do? The fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now, now, in the good news they heard, there was protection. There was covenant with God. Their sins were covered, not washed like ours, but covered until the next year when the blood of animals could cover it again. So by the covering, they, God was able to bless them in spite of their sin. And they had healing. Didn't he tell them also in Exodus? He he said, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. Right? And did they have financial prosperity? The best of the lands. Right? Milk and honey. I mean, you know, uh, well, go there and look at Deuteronomy. Let's talk a little bit more about the good news. Deuteronomy. Boy, this Bible is just chock full of good stuff. Right? Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. And the seventh verse. Deuteronomy 8, 7. Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Talking about the gospel. Am I still talking about the gospel here or not? I'm still talking about the gospel. I'm still talking about the good... News, good news, good news, good news, good news. Good news. Good news. Deuteronomy 8, 7. 
For the Lord your God bringeth you into a... God is a good God. Yes, He is. A good land. A land of brooks, of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and all olive and, and honey. Now, friend, this ain't just spiritual. It's physical. Material. Is this good news? When you don't own anything. You're a slave. You are property yourself. And the Lord's talking about you having a place of your own. A big place. You're not gathering the master's figs. It's your fig tree. You sit out there in your orchard. And eat apples. And sleep under the tree. It's your tree. Your vineyard. Your house. Your stream. Is that good news? But do you know most of them didn't believe it? Most of them didn't accept it. Most of them were not willing to receive it and pursue it. Forty years. Wandered out there. Why? They didn't qualify. They didn't qualify. They were not willing and they were not obedient. So they didn't qualify. But all those forty years... There were a couple of boys that were qualifying. Anybody remember them? An old boy by the name of Caleb. One by the name of Joshua. And 40 years is a long time to be hot and dry and dusty. And you're getting older by the year. But every night around the campfire, them boys held on to the good news. They held on to the good report. They'd look across the fire at each other and go, Remember that big bunch of grapes? Yeah. Boy, that was some bunch of grapes, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm going to get me some grapes like that. Me too. I'm going to have a whole vineyard of them massive king-sized grapes. I mean, when we mash grapes at harvest time, it's going to be a whole river of grape juice that washes down. And, and, and Joshua said, yeah. And I'm going to have, you see, you see that place over there where they had those orchards? I'm going to build me a road through there. And it's going to say uh, Joshua Orchard. And this will say Joshua Street. He said, yeah. And mine said Caleb Boulevard. Caleb, and I'm going I'm to have a whole mountain, Caleb said. I'm going to get me a whole, you see that big mountain? It was so pretty in the sunset. You know, you purple behind it. And I mean, it had trees on this side. I'm going to get that whole mountain. Joshua said, get it, buddy, get it. Nobody believed it but them. Year after year after decade after decade. That's how Brother Summerall used to say. <laughs> Lester Summerall. But one day, I said one day, Caleb stood up there and he said, I'm what, 85 years old? Is that what he said? 85 years old. He said, but I tell you, I'm a good man today as I was when I went out and checked the land. And he said, wherefore, give me this mountain. And he took it in his 80s. Why? He believed the good report. 
He believed the good news. What did Isaiah say? To whom has believed the, the report of the Lord? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It was revealed to Caleb and Joshua because they believed that report through years and being in the middle of millions of doubters and naysayers, they held on to it. Are you that kind of person? Are you going to hold on to this good message? No matter what anybody tells you, are you going to hold on and say, no, 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 this is the gospel. You ain't going to get it away from this boy. I believe it. He wants me righteous. He wants me healthy. He wants me rich. He wants me free. Amen. I believe the good news. Hold on to it. He said, man, you will have, verse 9, it will be a land wherein you will eat bread without scarceness. You shall not lack anything in it. What's that a type of? Could they have all this prosperity and you and I, it's not for us today? In a better covenant? Cannot be. I said it cannot be. Back up to the sixth chapter. While we're here, we might as well. Just look at this. Everybody say good news. Now see, see, don't just look at it. Well, Brother Keith, you're reading back in the Old Testament. You're reading, you know, back with the Jews. I just got through reading in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews. You had not forgot that, right? I mean, he said the gospel, gospel was preached to, to them like us. But many of them did not mix faith with it. And so it didn't benefit them, didn't profit them. So we got to mix faith with the good news. He said, here's part of the good news. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 verse 10. 610. And it shall be when the Lord your God shall have brought you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you great and goodly cities which you didn't build. And, verse 11, come on, come on. And houses. Could it be the will of God? Or is it just too good to be true? Come on now, i got to see it in your face. Do you believe the good news that God would give you houses? Houses paid for. Pay, paid for. Houses. Yeah. You know when it gets cold up here in Branson. You could use your nice Miami Beach house. Or Hawaii house. Or you know Jamaican Islands or whatever it is you like. And then you could buzz out of here for a couple of weeks or a month or two. Warm up. Mountain house, go skiing. Yeah, house in the woods. House in the city. <laughs> I lost some folk. I mean, yeah. that was just too good for them. You know, it really, God is just too good for many people. They just can't believe he's that good. They just can't believe he's that. I can believe he's that good. I'm going to believe him to help me to believe how good he is. And if I start to choke, I'm going to quit choking and say, no, God, I believe. help me out. Help me out now. I believe you are that good. And you're better than that. I believe it. God is a good God. Yes, he is. 
houses. Now get this. Come on, we, we got to shout a little bit on this. Houses full. We ain't talking about you got the house, but you can't afford the furniture. Sitting on apple crates. Walk in the bedroom and it echoes in there because no furniture. Houses full. Full of all good things. Good things. Good things. In, in the book of Proverbs, it talks about how that through wisdom that your rooms are filled with rare and precious, beautiful treasures. I said, where that's at? Look it up. It'll mean more to you if you find it yourself. It will. Houses full of all good things that you didn't fill. Wells digged, you didn't dig. Now, remember, he's talking to slaves. Vineyards and olive trees, you didn't plant. What's he telling them? I'm taking you out of here. I'm getting you free from the bank. I'm getting you free from punching the clock. I'm taking you out from this doing everything for the other man. And I'm going to give you your own. And and Ecclesiastes says, I have given to the sinner the task of laying up and stockpiling wealth. So I can give it to him that is good in my eyes. So I said, where that's at? Look it up. Look it up. It means more to you when you find it. I gave you the book. It's Ecclesiastes. God said, I'm bringing you out. Can you believe it? Is he that good that you can believe that? That you, God, you're just going to walk into situations. Just walk into. Church already built. Sound and lights and everything already there. House already built. Walk in. Sit down and go, whoo, this is nice. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Jesus. This is nice. And this is mine? Well, I am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Houses. Full. Good things. Land. All this stuff is not down here for the devil's crowd. Our Father made this. He didn't make it for himself. He made it for us. It's So much of it's in the devil's hands, but it's illegal. I said it's illegal. He has no right to it. It's because of people's unwillingness. It's because of their disobedience. It's because of their sin and their ungodliness. And we can't control everybody, but we can qualify for ours. We can receive the good news. We can obey Him and let Him bless us like He wants to. And just bring us up and bring us up and bring us up until we are so blessed that we're blessing people on every side. On every side. We're taking care of this and doing that, buying that, paying for that, financing that. And the more we give, the more it comes in and it just keeps on going. Increase to increase, faith to faith, glory to glory. Increase more and more, you and your children. It is written. Stand on your feet, why don't you? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge 
by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.